World Cup is four months away, and Jurgen Klinsmann is throwing down the gauntlet to his players. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, as always, is Ivis Galarsa. What's up, buddy? Nothing much, Garrett. Uh, hanging out here in dirty Jersey. We're getting ready for the <laughs> next. We're getting ready for the next snowstorm, and uh, it's uh, it took us a few days to get this show off. Uh, you know, get this show off the off the blocks, but. Uh, I guess we finally both got over what ailments we might have been having, and uh, I think we're ready to go. There was nothing wrong with me, but I, I'm, I'm confused right now. I once referred to Jersey as Dirty Jersey, but you said I couldn't say it again. It's okay for you to say it? I can say it because I am from Jersey. You can't say it. You can't, it's, it doesn't sound right. When you I, don't, say it. I don't agree with that at all. <laughs> of course you don't agree, but I think if you came to Jersey and you said that to somebody, you might, you might, not, you might not survive. First off, would I even survive more than five minutes? Probably not. Yeah. You probably would. Never, you probably should never come here. No, I I shouldn't. That, that, <laughs> that's why I just stay. You know, when I when I go back east, you know, if I ever do make it to the area, you know, I just stay like in you know Brooklyn, where all the hipsters are. I mean, that's safe. That, you know, that is so you. <laughs> that that is definitely a, yeah. If you ever move here, you'll definitely live in Brooklyn. No doubt about it. No, I don't know if I. I feel like I had to live on the main island, man. I don't even know the geography that well, but I'd had to like live like on in Manhattan. I feel like. Yeah, it's a little expensive. I think you're going to want to set the bar a little lower. <laughs> Start with Brooklyn, and then when you make it big, then you can go to Manhattan. Wait, I'm already not big? What are you talking about, Ivis? Well, you're big, uh, you know. <laughs> in, my, in my mind. Ego-wise, <laughs> ego, ego you're big. Yeah, exactly. But financially speaking, you're not there yet. Maybe no. one day. Hopefully, you know, we keep 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 on the grind, SBI show grind, and one day we'll, we'll make it big and... And we'll both be uh, both have our name and lights in Manhattan. Yeah, this is when you know we're on uh, some you know big network, and then we're soaking it up in the hot tub with our soulmates. It's gonna be good times. I like it. Yeah, uh, one, one, day, one day, one day. <laughs> All right, I was enough of us, enough of you and I talking about our futures together. Uh, we have a show to talk about. Lots to talk about on today's show. As we mentioned, as I mentioned at the very beginning, Jurgen Klinsmann uh, threw out some comments recently in a TV interview with ESPN. Ivis just. So, I'll summarize kind of what it's about. It's about the lack of self-belief, not a lack of talent, is what's keeping Americans from playing in the Champions League in, in Europe. You wrote an excellent piece on Goal.com. Everyone should check it out. But just, Ivis, your, your thoughts and, and your comments on, on what Jurgen had to say about the U.S. men's national team players. Well, just for those of you who missed it, uh, you know, he, he had an interview and he was talking about the, the national team. Um, and he started out, you know, he started out pretty well. You know, he, he laid it out that uh, the, the U.S. team needs to do well. Uh, to help the, the the player pool as a whole, because you know obviously if the U.S. Uh, makes a run in the World Cup, say they make a run to the quarters or even to the semifinals, that'll boost the profile of all American players, and it could help players uh, make bigger moves, move on to bigger clubs, and it kind of has this domino effect. And I, I totally agree with that. He's on he's on the money with that. Mm-hmm. But then he kind of then he kind of lost the plot a little bit after that, and he started getting into the comments about. The reason that there aren't – well, first he said he wants players in Champions League. He wants more Americans in Champions League because that's where the best soccer is played. That's the highest level. Again, agree with that. I think most people would agree that's that that to be the case. But then he kind of lost it a bit when he uh, you know, went down the road of saying that the, the reason there aren't more American players in Champions League is because of a lack of self-belief among players. And for me, I thought that was a bit of a stretch. I really thought he missed the mark on mm-hmm. that, and 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 for me, I I couldn't help but hear a subliminal message uh, aimed at Clint Dempsey and Michael Bradley, and, and and I really think that's what kind of drove that message. Not that he was trying to send a message to them, but I think it was a message to the future national team players or the players coming up the pipeline, the younger players that look, hey guys, you need to be playing in Europe in the mm-hmm. top league, in the, as, as big a league as you can play in, as big a team as you can play in, you need to keep striving and striving, work your way up that ladder. That's the goal. And you know what? I have no problem with that at all. But the idea that, that, that players are, are, are lacking the belief and that that's what's keeping them from making the moves to bigger clubs, I, th- I thought that was a big – I thought that was a stretch, absolutely. You know, I think you know when you look at some of the players in the pool – uh, they are not being held back by their lack of belief. They're being held back either by their lack of ability or the lack of opportunities. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, if you want to call out Michael Bradley and Clint Dempsey individually for what the decisions that they made to come back to MLS, then go ahead and do that. But to 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 kind of do it in a subliminal way and then kind of rope in the entire American player pool, I thought that was a bit much. And you know what? Look, he, for me, 
Jurgen Klinsmann hasn't done has there hasn't been much that he's done wrong since he's been the coach, like especially the last year or so. You know, he's been on the money with all the decisions he's made, a lot of the moves that he's made. The team has had great success, but you know, he likes to speak his mind, and I think this is just an instance where maybe mm-hmm. it, it got away from him a little. Uh, I, I got the point that he was trying to make, but I don't I don't think he. I don't think he expressed it the best way. All right, and I agree with you on the opening one where he said that, you know, obviously, I mean, yes, we, we want to see Americans playing in the Champions League. But but the thing that that I, I kind of scratched my head on, I mean, of course he's calling out uh, Clint Dempsey and Michael Bradley. I mean, I was, how many guys are actually getting Champions League offers? I mean, Josie Altidore, maybe Tim Howard outside them two, and then Bradley and Dempsey. I mean, four guys total maybe getting offers. I mean, yeah, you have Jermaine Jones, but it's not like the offers are there. And, I mean, look, if you took, Dempsey's confidence when he was at Fulham and scored all those goals. I mean, look, there's no doubt that he believed in himself going up to Champions League. I, I, it was interesting, but I, you know, maybe he's de- de- deterring maybe younger guys, like you said, from taking big paychecks in Major League Soccer and to challenge themselves. But then again, we're also seeing the U.S. go after this World Cup. It's going to be a transition phase too. I mean, a lot of these guys playing in this World Cup are going to be coming around for 2018. Right. I mean, I think it was clearly a message to that next group of guys. I mean, I'm sure there was an undercurrent uh, of motivation because of what Clint Dempsey and, and Michael Bradley did. But here's my thing, right? Is it really, can we really sit here and say that it was a lack of belief that led Dempsey and Bradley to come back to MLS? I mean, I think that's a stretch. Uh, I, I, this idea that, oh, they <clears throat> they tucked their tail between their legs and ran back to MLS because they couldn't hack it in Europe anymore. It's like, how many years do you have to play in Europe before that idea, that notion is ridiculous, right? Michael Bradley fought for and won starting jobs in three different leagues. He did it in the Dutch league. He did it. In, he did it in Germany. He did it in the. He did it in Serie A. Right. So, like, what does mm-hmm. he? What more does he have to prove to to show that he is a competitor of the highest order? You know. And, and as far as Clint Dempsey goes, I mean, Clint Dempsey was in a situation where he was at Tottenham. He, he he the mid the 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 playing time situation wasn't the, wasn't the best but he kept fighting he kept competing and then he was presented with a with a, a tremendous offer from MLS they 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 made him an offer that he probably could never have imagined MLS making uh from his experience in MLS and he took it i mean he's at a point in his career where this is the biggest the last big payday he'll have uh and he chose to to take it so i don't i don't see how people want to knock Dempsey for that decision now, Michael Bradley's, I can understand it being mm-hmm. a shocking, being a shocking one because we're talking about a 26-year-old player. He's at AS Roma. Even if things don't work out at, at AS Roma, he could have gone, you know, say to Borussia Mönchengladbach or or Bayer Leverkusen or, or or you know somewhere in Serie A and then kept fighting and kept maybe moving from there to a bigger league and maybe fighting for Champions League. He could have done that, and and I think most people expected, myself included, expected him to do that. But you know th- this is a unique situation in that he was offered li- a life changing deal. He was offered. Uh, you know, six, seven years, $40 million guaranteed money to come back. And, you know, he's, he'd been in Europe for eight years and he decided, you know, I've started, I've just started a family now. I have this, this, this unbelievable offer. Um, what do I do? And and he made the decision to, 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 to come to MLS. And I just, like, my thing is, how do you all of a sudden forget about everything that he did and everything that he showed and everything that he proved in Europe for eight mm-hmm. years and and all of a sudden say that he 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 quit or or he uh, he didn't believe in himself. That's I mean I'm sorry. Anybody who knows Michael Bradley knows that he, he if there's anything he lacks aside from hair, he, he doesn't lack self belief. I'm sorry, folks. That that's not Michael Bradley by any means. So I, I thought if 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 those are let's just say if those weren't the guys you were talking about. Then who are you talking about, Jurgen? Who 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 else? Who are these players? Who are all these U.S. players that are 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 being held back by their lack of belief, or or, or who who aren't in in Champions League positions because of self belief? Like I mean, you know, you, I'm sure some people will say, yeah, well, Landon Donovan's a case in point, right? Landon Donovan early, it, it, sure, in his career, he made decisions that you can absolutely argue. That maybe he cost himself that opportunity, but that I mean that's a few years now. I mean you know Donovan's older now. He's he's later on in his career. I don't think that's what Jurgen Klinsmann was talking about because uh, if you watch the interview and you listen to his comments, he's talking about the present. So if he's talking about the present, who are these players that are being held back by their lack of belief? I just I'm sorry I just didn't see it. I get I got the point, but I just think he missed the mark a bit. 
I, I well, I also think that having success at the World Cups can help out the U.S. men's national team and continued success of guys like Aaron Johansson. And you know what? Maybe it also it is a part of it, Ivis, is that Europeans will you know kind of always look down on American, especially American soccer. I mean, look at Bob Bradley; he had to work his tail off. And I mean, one of the best jobs he got was, was second division up in Norway. I think the, the first U.S. Division, first, first division, division. Excuse me. Okay, sorry, first division. But well, okay, first division, second tier in Norway, but. You know, I think success at, at this World Cup in Brazil is going to be instrumental. I mean, if the U.S. can get out of the group, can win the first round, win the second round, get to the quarterfinals, I mean, that would be amazing. And you'd see the success. I mean, we saw that with the last World Cup. A lot of guys, you know, the U.S. did pretty well, and a lot of guys had offers. I mean, Anye were going to AC Milan after the World Cup. There's an example right there. So uh, success of the World Cup, I mean, we'll see what happens after the World Cup and how the U.S. performs in it. Right. I mean, when it comes down to it, here's my thing. If you're good enough, teams will find you. And mm-hmm. absolutely, through the years, you can make the argument that that in years past, uh, there was a stigma uh, attached to American players, and, and and even recently, we've had, you know, we've had, we've had uh, Red Bull New York's Jerome Debontan, who's you know the, the sporting director there. He, you know, he's French. He, he he's t- he's tied into the European soccer scene, and he laid it out that you know there is still kind of a stigma uh, against American players. That if you have two players, one's American and, and let's say one's African chances are the team will take the African player. And that's something that players have to deal with. And that's all well and good. It's something they continue to fight. But you know what beats that is talent and ability. And the better the players, the better American players get, the better opportunities that they'll face and they'll find. So I think that's that's the challenge. Uh, This whole idea of self-belief, Americans lacking self-belief, I just you can argue that in the past that was an issue. And and I'm sure people will look at Landon Donovan and 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 hit the peak of his career and the things that he could have done that he didn't do. You can point to that and say maybe there were issues then. But I mean, I'm sorry. When you look at it now, I just I just don't see it being the, the problem that Jurgen Klinsmann portrayed it to be in his recent comments. Uh, I've been staying in the international front, and I'm sure we'll talk about these comments uh, more and more as, as we progress to the World Cup. But moving over to the Americans abroad front, uh, it was a rough weekend. One guy that we have been talking about saying he's been looking really good, could possibly get a call up uh, to that Ukraine friendly, possibly find his way back into the uh, Brazil picture, Timmy Chandler. And then, boom, just like that, Ivis, he's going to miss uh, the next eight to ten weeks after sustaining... Uh, an injury. I mean, this is extremely unfortunate news for Timmy Chandler, who was looking really good over the last couple of weeks. It's almost as if the right back position is cursed. I mean, it's unbelievable when you think about Steve Trendolo and all the knee injuries that he's had and now all, all the knee issues that he continues to have. And now you have Tim Chandler, who was really coming into his own, really playing well, uh, surgeon form. He's playing Bayern Munich 10 minutes in. Uh, he, he tears his meniscus and he's out eight to 10 weeks. And uh, I mean, I, I'd say it, it's a huge blow. You know, you, you figured he was going to get called in in March for the friendly against the Ukraine. And he had a good chance that he might might have even started in that game. But now he's out. He's out till April. Uh, I wouldn't say that completely rules him out. I wouldn't say it completely takes him out of the picture, but it's going to make things that much tougher. And, uh, you know, I, it's just it's just a huge blow. Uh, and he and it's not the only one. I mean, there were a couple injuries. It was, it was I tell you what, it was a nightmare week mm-hmm. for Americans abroad. When you think about the fact that uh, not there were it was a there were a plethora of players who didn't play for one reason or another. Whether mm-hmm. it was injuries like Onyewu, Eric Lehigh, Aguchi uh, uh, Onyewu, Eric Lehigh. Well, Clint Dempsey wasn't injured. Clint Dempsey was was a coach's decision. Yeah. Fabian Johnson was did not dress. Uh, you know, Aaron. Uh, Aaron Johansson was was nursing an injury. Sasha Kleston wasn't chosen. Uh, it was it's unbelievable. Terrence Boyd red card suspension. Uh, Jermaine Jones, uh, I don't think I think he saw he had an injury as well. So you had all these guys that didn't play, and then of the guys who did play, none of them none of them were able to win. The only the only players who play, who won a game in a, in a first division league uh, in the American uh, Americans abroad contingent were the Club Tijuana guys. The Club Tijuana. Uh, players, you know, they, they did get a win against Monterey. That was kind of the one of the, that was pretty much the lone bright spot of the weekend. Uh, Hercules Gomez, Edgar Castillo started in the game and, and they won that uh, game to kind of keep a, a pretty decent start to the, the Clausura season going. But it was just an awful weekend. Man. And, and, and who knows? Maybe Klinsman, maybe that 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 depressing weekend got Jurgen Klinsman into a certain mood. And then he said these comments that maybe were a little off the mark. 
uh, I don't know, maybe. Uh, another guy we didn't mention, Onyebu Ivis. Uh, his is not as serious as Timmy Chandler's, but uh, he, I think he strained something in his calf. He, he possibly a guy that you were saying could get called up to that Ukraine friendly. I mean, it puts his chances for that game uh, in jeopardy now. Right. I mean, looking at the when you look at the timetable for that, it's cutting it a bit close. Uh, if he doesn't play now for the next three weeks, then it's going to be a tough, tough decision on your Clemson's part. Now, all of a sudden, you have Tim Chandler and Oguchi Yewu potentially not available for that Ukraine friendly. That's two guys who probably had a good chance to start that game. Now, when you think about the defense, let's just let's just think of the of the, of the available players that you could you, you could have to put together a defense. I mean, you have John Anthony Brooks is still working his way back in, right? So, is he? Do you use him? That that's a question mark. Tim Ream. Uh, you know, I think at this point you almost have to call him in and, and you probably have to consider starting him, even though he has a start started at center back this season for Bolton. You know, he's, he's been playing other positions. So you have Jeff Cameron, you have Fabian Johnson, you have Tim Ream. You maybe have uh, John Anthony Brooks if he can get back, if he can recover and uh, get some get some minutes under his belt. Uh, one player that I think people have to think about it might be a surprise. Will Packwood. The young uh, defender from at Birmingham, mm-hmm. uh, who you know, if not for a, a really nasty broken leg last year, uh, you know, he would have been a part of the U.S. Under Twenty World Cup team, and uh, you know, obviously that set him back a bunch. But he made his way back. He, he had some re- re- rehab. Uh, he played some games in the lower division, and now he's moved up. He's regained his starting spot at Birmingham City. And you're talking about a 20 year old American center back who's playing regularly who's playing regularly in the league championship that's not that's not something to sneeze at he's 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 a, an interesting prospect so I, I you know again is he someone who's a who's a possibility for the world cup i think that's a little bit of a stretch but when you're thinking about uh the fact that Klinsman wants to go with a european based team mm-hmm. then you might see someone like Will Packwood uh, well okay what what could some other surprise call up speak could, could we see Danny Williams could we see Josh Gatt? i mean Breck Shea would probably get called up right uh, I'd say Danny Williams is pretty much a lock at this point. I mean, I think he was. I think it was a lock even before the injuries. But you know, I think when you think look at the midfield options, I mean, he's he's playing regularly right now and he's doing well by all accounts. So I think he's someone that's going to be there. Uh, I think he could start absolutely if uh, if Klinsman chooses not to bring in Michael Bradley. Uh, Michael Bradley's uh, on a bye for the first week of the MLS season, so playing in this friendly doesn't necessarily you know put that huge strain on him. Uh, but uh, of, of the other guys you mentioned, Josh Gatt, I think is I think I think the ship sailed on Josh Gatt. To be honest with you, I know he's he's coming back from an ACL injury, and he's only started training with Molde, I guess at the end of January. So it, it, it's a tough spot for him, I'd say. Uh, I think he's someone maybe who who has he missed his the injury came at a really bad time for him and really set him back. Uh, some, someone else, Stuart Holden, is someone who, when you think about it, he was training with the the U.S. team in L.A. Now he's returned to Bolton and he's taken that next step in his in his recovery. Uh, so he's someone you want to maybe keep an eye on. And, but I tell you what, I think he's more a guy that maybe you bring into camp just to have in camp. Is he someone that's probably going to play? I, I doubt that. I, I'd say I'd say that's probably unlikely. Uh, not that I want to get ahead of myself here, Ivis. But what about like uh, Julian Green or uh, Gideon Zalalem? Okay, stop it. Would you please <laughs> stop? It? Gideon Zellem is not coming in. He's not getting called up. That's I don't think that's going to happen. That's not going to happen. Julian Green, the, the issue with Julian Green is this, right? If In order for him to play for the U.S., he has to follow one-time switch. Um, so even, even to play in a friendly. And the thing is, when he does file that, then he's tied to the U.S. So that's a big decision on his part. So the question is this. If you're Julian Green, would you be willing to come in and 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 be part of a camp if you can't play in a friendly? Would you be willing to come in, get to get to know the guys, get to talk to Klinsman, get a sense, get a feel for the environment in a camp, even if it means you you probably aren't going to play? Mm-hmm. So it's like it's a trip really just to get to get a sense, get a feel for the for the group and the program. Uh, it, it might that seem that might seem a little far fetched to people, but the the it was the same March uh, uh, window, the same March fixture date where Jermaine Jones got his first taste of of, of the national team setup. Uh, we're going, you know, I think it was 2010. I want to, it was 2010 or 2011. Uh, he 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 came in. I remember because I was there. It was in the, it was in the Netherlands. It was in Amsterdam. 
uh, when the U.S. played the Netherlands, and he was just he was just in camp, and he didn't play, he didn't dress, he just, but he just hung out. He got a sense for what it was like to be around the guys, and that experience got Jermaine Jones that much closer to wanting to play for the U.S. and he ended up playing for the U.S. So I think for me it comes down to this: I, if I'm Jurgen Klinsmann, I invite Julian Green to the March friendly, mm-hmm. but the question is: does what does Julian Green take that next step? And come in just to get to know the guys, just to get a feel for things. Because apparently the last time around when he was called in, one of the reasons that he chose not to come was because he couldn't play. So, you know, hopefully someone talks to him and says, listen, even though you won't get to play, there's still some value in it. There's still some value in training with these guys, getting to know some of these guys, Mm -hmm. get a sense for what the team's like. And if Klinsman can get him to do that, I think that's a huge, that'd be a huge victory. Well, we saw Klinsman do that with Terrence Boyd. Aaron Johansson, John Brooks. I mean, we've seen him do this before. Well, well you know, we've talked about this 100 times on this show. But, yeah, Jurgen does a good job of uh, bringing in the other guys, getting them acclimated with everyone else. Uh, one more thing to talk about on the Americans Abroad front, Ivis. That is Fabian Johnson. He's reportedly set to join Mansion Glaba. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, well, I mean, it's a step up, I'd say, from Hoffenheim. You know, Hoffenheim's kind of, you know, stuck where they are. They're, they're more of a bottom half of the table team. Uh, Mönchengladbach has, has, is a stronger team. They have more of a history. Uh, they have the opportunity to play in the Champions League. So, you know, I think from that standpoint, you know, you like the, you like the move. My thing is, I'd rather see him hold off on a decision until after the World Cup. Because let's face it, if he goes to the World Cup, he tears it up. I mean, who you know, he could probably name he can name his club, he can name his price. So, I think from that standpoint, maybe himself he's selling himself a little short by jumping into that decision. But again, for a player like him, uh, a storied club like Mönchengladbach, you know, you can understand maybe he sees that as an opportunity that he can't pass up. True. Well, you know, he also has to go to Brazil for that to happen. Ivis, look, look, we have tons of time to talk about the Americans abroad and. U.S. Men's National Team news and, and international news and all that stuff before the World Cup. Uh, we need to change gears completely, move over to Major League Soccer. Uh, David Beckham, Ivis, is uh, talking to the PSG owners to see if they would like to help him fund his new Major League Soccer club. Do you think we could see possibly a potential partnership between David Beckham and the French club? Well, I don't know about a direct partnership between the clubs, but I do think the the ownership group, uh, QSI, the, the Qatari based group who are probably the richest owners in all of football, all of world soccer. Um, you know, if they get involved, man, you're talking about a whole different tax bracket. So I know some people might wonder why Beckham would, would call on them. But, you know, he has, a, he has a good relationship with them. Obviously, he, he ended his career there, and he's, he's developed some really strong ties to the to the PSG owners. And let's face it, the, you can't have enough billionaires when you're trying to put together a, a sports uh, ownership group. You, you know, it, it just... Uh, it helps spread the 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 uh, the risk. It helps it, it helps you know give you that much more financial muscle if you want to really have some grand plans about about uh, you know going and getting some 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 higher price players, some big ticket players, uh, and it, and it definitely opens up uh, opportunities. You know, like you said, maybe there can be some kind of partnership or, or, or informal or formal uh, with PSG. Uh, so you know that stuff's interesting and it, it's. Uh, you know, it's, I think it's only positive, you know, and at this point, there's nothing committed. There's, it's just all we've seen is the report out of France that he approached them about it. So, you know, will they take him up on it? Remains to be seen. Maybe we'll see, uh, I mean, PSG uh, loan David Beckham, uh, you know, four PSG players a year. Uh, well, we'll see. We'll see how. <laughs> we'll see what. Uh, you know, we'll see what kind of deal uh, Beckham cooks yeah. up with those guys. But uh, who knows? Maybe we'll see Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Oh God! Uh, Could you? I would. I would die to see him in, the, in Major League Soccer. It'd probably never happen. But God, it'd be so cool. Never say never, man. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen soon, but uh, he's he strikes me as someone who I could see coming to MLS one day. Really, you think so? I can absolutely. see Could him the coming. league handle him though? You know, it's turn. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, has has Major League Soccer ever had a guy like him before come in? Like, just I mean, come on, it's Ebra. Well, no, what are you getting? Well, at? I mean, like just his just his personality, just his aurora. Just I mean, look, he's a larger than life character. You know. Well, you know what I mean. I, I had someone I. I mean, there's been some pretty big players that come through the league. I mean, someone that comes to mind for me is uh, is Gristo Stoichkov, who let's face it, he's a legend. But you know, Bar- Barcelona. 
you know, the whole nine. I mean, we're talking about a legendary player. And he had, if you want to talk about someone who had an added uh, kind of a, a swagger to him and a, and a cockiness and an arrogance and a confidence, I mean, I mean, Risto Toyshkov, he just had it. Like, if you if you had a chance to talk to him, you you just knew you were talking to to, to someone who uh, a was great and b knew he was great and uh, you know so from that standpoint uh, you know I think the league could handle someone like him uh, like Ibrahimovic I mean it'll you know it, it'll take some time it'll be a few obviously let's face it, it's going to be years yeah. if if it even happened it would be a year a couple years from now but you know what I think I tell you what it, it, when you have two two teams in New York and when you have a team in Miami I think that I think that's really appealing for a lot of players in Europe. Hi, look, even in Major League Soccer, that gets me excited. Uh, God, that sounds weird when I say that. <laughs> Ivis, uh, the Portland Timbers have renamed their field. It's went from a gelled win to, I believe, it's gone to Paps Blue Ribbon. So, congratulations, Portland Timbers. <laughs> Listen, just because you drink enough Paps Blue Ribbon to afford a stadium sponsorship does not mean they're going to get a stadium sponsorship. Oh, wait, it's not? I Okay. Well, Providence Park. That's the new name. Of the Portland Timbers' home, Providence Park. They've upgraded from a field to a park. They're moving up in the world. <laughs> what? <the laughs> yeah, I don't. <laughs> what, what? What comes after park, Ivis? Uh, arena, stadium. I don't know. I think <laughs> arena. Arena. There you go. Arena. Yes, Porter. Porter Arena. That's going to be the next name. <laughs> that was... Or pa- or Paulson Paulson Pavilion. There you go. Oh uh, well, that that would be. Uh... That that would be the pinnacle, right? There you go. Yeah. There you go. Uh, also, in other Major League Soccer news, Toronto FC is uh, their home opener has been moved to national TV, and it just so happens to be Ivis against the Seattle Sounders and Clint Dempsey. I believe you said before the show, what, what are we going to call this match? Uh, I don't know. I don't remember what. Would you say like a, oh, like the Cash Cup or something? Cash Cup. It's uh, it's one of those. It's 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 the big it's the big big money derby uh, between those two teams. Uh, look, Clint Dempsey against Michael Bradley. You had to get that game on national television, especially Michael Bradley's first game, Jermaine Defoe's first game, and MLS. I mean, it's a great game, and I do, I do find it interesting that uh, when the national television schedule first came out, there were zero Toronto FC games on it for obvious reasons. But obviously, things have changed now. You got Michael Bradley, Jermaine Defoe, Julio Cesar. You know they're 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 moving up in the world really quickly. So I think I think I have a feeling we're going to see quite a few adjustments to that national schedule uh, when it's all said and done. Well, speaking of Toronto, Ivis, uh, the Brazil national team head coach Luis Felipe Scolari said that uh, Julio Cesar is uh, is for sure going to happen. He will move over to Toronto and just uh, I mean, look, this is another big addition for for the Canadian side. Well, it's a, it, you know I think at this it, it had been widely reported that it was happening. So uh, you know, Scolari's confirmation wasn't wasn't that huge a deal, but I think it was a more impressive aspect of that is, is the comments that he made about about the fact that you know MLS playing in MLS should be able to get him ready for the World Cup. And I think you know what, even though it's only you know he's a goalkeeper, say what you want. I said there's still some meaning in that. There's some meaningfulness to that. Uh, you know, even though uh, Carlos Alberto Pereira, his assistant, uh, said it, the, the you know the quality is not great, but it's a competitive league, and you know what? That's that's not that far off. It's a com- competitive league. It could be better, but um, you know, I think it's 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 only positive to, to have him here. I think there's going to be questions, obviously, about the money and how Toronto FC pulls this off. I mean. You know, and I, I think I said it last show that it's probably going to be a case of of, of QPR, uh, Queens Park Rangers, his 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 English club, paying majority of the of the uh, of his salary, and 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 you have to ask MLS has you know you have to ask MLS is, is that a fair rule is it is it a fair situation when a player who makes six million dollars a year is coming to you on loan and and counting only you know whatever he's going to count against the cap, but he's not going to count as a designated player, so. Essentially, now Toronto FC is going to have four designated players because Julio Cesar is on the books on loan, and he's not counting as a designated player. See, and this was the argument everyone had when Jason Christ talked about the four players on loan. Can they be DPS? It's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting times, Ivis, for Major League Soccer over the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, obviously things are changing. Uh, uh, the league is going to end up in situations it's never been in before. So it's kind of when you get into these kind of uncharted territories. 
Uh, it's when the league is going to have to adjust on the fly, make rules on the fly. And that's where I know some people get all bent out of shape mm-hmm. about it and say, oh, that's not fair, this and that. But you know what? The league is a young league. It's growing. It, 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 it that has to adapt to the changing uh, situations. And, and I think, you know what? If anything, it'll, it'll, it'll help the league better understand uh, the, how it needs to structure things. So, you know, the Julio Cesar... Julio Cesar alone uh, is probably a it, it, not probably it, it definitely is a huge favor for TFC, but I think it, it'll probably lead to some legislation on the league's part to mm-hmm. to, to help uh, either avoid situations that where teams are kind of circumventing a, a design, designated player slot, or the league has to adjust and and increase the number of designated player slots that it has. So. Uh, it's all pretty fluid, and I think we're going to see changes throughout the year. Well, and as, as we've talked about on this time, Ivis, that on the show, I mean, time after time, is that the league, I mean, it's, it's still growing, and it's still going to have to make rules up. And look, there'll be a time, maybe 10, 15 years from now, where the league's not going to have to make rules on the fly, where it will be established, where there will be money. But until that happens, I mean, look, for the betterment of the league, some things have to happen. Right. I mean, that's the thing, right? I, I always... You know, are there cases where it does, or things do seem a little fishy, and, and, and maybe the league isn't so forthcoming? Yes, I, I agree with that. I think that the league could absolutely have more transparency. Having said that, the idea that that things change on the fly and the league has to adjust, and sometimes the league ends up in situations that that it it, it hasn't accounted for and has to set new rules and set new things in place. I, I mean, that's just how that's just par for the course. That's just what you're going to have. When you have a young league uh, still kind of adjusting to new kind of new environments, new new frontiers, especially now we're, we're, we're seeing the kind of money uh, being involved in the league right now, you're going to have these kind of situations. So some people might see it as unfair, but, you know, I, th- I think it's just part of, of the growing pains of a, of a growing league. Uh, well, speaking of Julio Cesar Ives, he, along with David Luiz, Marcello, Oscar, Hulk, were named to uh, Brazil's upcoming friendly match, which will be their last batch before the wor- their World Cup squad is selected. Um, some big names were out, guy like Kaká, but you were mentioning before we, we did this show that you were surprised that there were some other guys that were left out, some younger guys. I mean, who did you think should have been called up for this and kind of who's on the outside looking in for Brazil, for the Brazil national team? Well, I think, I think you know, the casual fan will know the names like Kaká and Robinho, but, I mean, realistically speaking, those those players were... On the outside looking in, uh, uh, that's been the case, and nothing, and nothing has changed on that front. I think Kaká was always a bit of a long shot, as much as you know, from a nostalgia standpoint. Uh, you know, people want to see him because you know, especially you know, he he's he's been playing better at AC Milan. He made the move at AC to AC Milan specifically to try to make a run at the World Cup. But I think it's probably going to be a little too, a little too late for him. Uh, but for me, there's some younger guys. I mean, Lucas Moura. Uh, the the PSG uh, uh, wonder kid, uh, um, the winger for them. I mean, the fact that he's not on uh, is is crazy to think about. Not again. Not to say that 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 Scolari's making a mistake. It's just to point out how much talent is in this player pool that you can leave out a player like Lucas Moura or or Coutinho, the Liverpool uh, uh, dynamo, the Liverpool midfielder who just had a monster game. Uh, against Arsenal. I mean, you got guys like that who you can afford to leave out. It's crazy to think about. But again, you know, that that's Brazil. That's not a new thing. I think Brazil has always had had that kind of just crazy depth. But I think this time around, uh, it's it's maybe more than it's ever been when you have guys like Kaká Robinho, Coutinho, Lucas Moura, uh, Ronaldinho, who, let's face it, the Ronaldinho who just led Atletico Mineiro to, to the Copa Libertadores title, um, you know, last year, and he was really trying to make that late push. And, and I, you know, these are some older guys that, you know, probably were always long shots, and Scolari's not a nostalgic kind of guy. You know, Scolari is about the now, and, and, and he's got a pretty damn good team when you look at it. Uh, so, it, it's uh, it's not a surprise that you see these these kind of star players left out, but it, it, it is it's impressive to look at the kind of talent they're going to leave behind. And you could argue, man, you could put together a second Brazil team. You could put together Brazil's B team, and if you put them in the World Cup, they, they'd probably make a run. They'd probably get to the semis you know, or quarters at least, right? I mean, that's how much talent they have. Uh, scary to think about. 
And uh, keeping it down in the South American region, Ivis, the 2014 Copa Libertadores kicks off on Tuesday night. Sadly, there are no Americans participating in this year's edition. But for you, Ivis, who is your favorite? Who is the dark horse? Give me a winner. Well, I don't know if there's one favorite. You can't. Uh, and and by the way, you almost kind of said it right. I think most people would have expected you to just completely butcher it. You almost got it. Uh, you kind of tr- you transposed the T and the D. It's Libertadores. You said Libertadores. I say I say Libertadores. Yeah, you can't. Like say my Spanish. First. Like my Spanish is even good to begin with. <laughs> I know. All I know. All to... I know is the cuss words because you know when you're playing pickup at the park. I mean, that's all you need to know. <laughs> I'm trying to help you out here. Say the T, and then you say the D. Libertadores. Libertadores. There you go. This, you know what? When it comes down to it, your tongue just isn't that that skill, unfortunately, <laughs> for you and your girlfriend. It's not working out. But anyway. What's that? Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's that to mean right there? I was... <laughs> Details. Uh, but, yeah, uh, you know, talking about the Libertadores, uh, you know, who, and the funny thing is that maybe the, we shouldn't just assume there are no Americans, but when you because when you think about yeah, it, you have 32 teams, you have teams from you know Bolivia, Venezuela, you know Paraguay, uh, Peru. There might be one, there might be one or two. You don't even know. There might be you know guys you know who uh, we got to get Brian Scaretta on the case. He's the guy who is uh, who always finds the, these kind of players that are playing abroad. Uh, but, you know, obviously I think, at, at, as we mentioned, Ronaldinho, Atletico Minero, a team you have to absolutely uh, consider one of the favorites to, to, to get, get there. Uh, San Lorenzo, uh, who Carlos Valdez, uh, Philadelphia Union defender, uh, just went to on loan, the, Argent- the Argentinian club. I think they're, they're a team you have to respect. And, 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 you know, one of the interesting things is to, is to, to have – to have a, a Copa Libertadores without Santos, without Boca Juniors, um, they're both they're, you know the two kind of tradi- two traditional South American powers. They're they're not in there, but uh, you know I still think you're always going to have some pretty strong uh, Brazilian teams present. You got a couple of Mexican teams. I, I don't like their chances. Just the travel is a real killer for them. Uh, you have Leon Club Leon, Rafa Marquez's team, and then you have Santos Laguna. Uh, two pretty good teams, but again, the travel I think ends up kicking your butt a little too much. But for me, I'd say probably San Lorenzo. I'd probably go Lanús, uh, another Argentinian club coached by former MLS MVP Guillermo Barros Scalotto, someone else to consider. Uh, Atletico Mineiro. Um, and I'm just looking here, I'm trying to look at the field here. Uh, th- those are the teams that, could, that stand out for me. I mean, I'm going to obviously be kind of. Uh, on the side, rooting for some of the there's two Peruvian teams in it. You have what La a U. Homer, dude. You, you, you are have such La a U. Homer. You have Universitario La U, who some of my family are fans of, uh, and then you have uh, Real Garcilaso, who plays. They play in Cusco in the ridiculous altitude. I can't. I don't even know. I, can't, I don't even know how you play soccer up there. But but that that they have that home field advantage of of teams having to go up there. And and struggle to just survive that 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 thin air and the altitude. So, uh, you know, I would tell people this. You know, if you have a chance to watch these games, you, you're going to see some entertaining soccer, no doubt about it. And I think uh, I think Libertadores gets a little overlooked by American fans, and 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 access is obviously a big issue. You know, can you see these? And and I think Fox, uh, if you happen to have Directv, you can get this. If if you happen to have the Spanish package i mean the spanish package gets you not only espn deportes mm-hmm. which has its own set of games you get the bn sports uh in spanish which is a whole nother set of games from the american bs sport and then you get the fox uh the fox coverage the fox sports coverage of copa libertadores so i would tell you what if you're a hardcore soccer fan and you want to spend the extra 10 15 bucks a month you're gonna get your money's worth so i, I would say it's it's a great it's a great competition to watch and uh even though there aren't Americans this time around, obviously last year you had the Club Tijuana guys mm-hmm. compete in it. They made a pretty good run uh, through it uh, last year. But even without the Americans, I think I think it's a good competition. And you know what? By watching these games, you just might get a chance to get a glimpse of guys that your MLS team could be going after in the near future. Because as we've seen, uh, South America is is really become a big market uh, for MLS teams to go after. I mean, let's face it, half of the Portland Timbers are, are from Argentina at this point. So, uh, you know, I think from that standpoint, there's great value in it for American fans to watch. And it's good soccer. It's really good soccer. So I would tell people, if you can, try to watch it. 
my my team for the tournament, Ivis, will be the strongest, the Bolivian side, <laughs> the strongest. He just, he just like their name. Yeah, their it's name's like, pretty cool. I can say the name. I think that's also why too. There's also like four teams called Nacional, so that that's uh, that's not confusing at all either. Actually, yeah, maybe I should root for them because then that way I could always say that my team keeps winning. Maybe there that's maybe that's there what I should do. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I tell you what, another. I tell you, so the Argentinian teams in the tournament, I think, are pretty good this year. I think Newell's old boys uh, is a, is a good team as well. Uh, that's Lionel Messi's team for, as a youth. His his hometown team, uh, so that's one to watch as well. There's a lot of good teams. Oh, and you know what? Atletico Nacional, the Colombian team, coached by former New York Red Bulls slash Chicago Fire head coach Juan Carlos Osorio. So there, there's some good MLS ties in there uh, around this competition. So that's gonna get uh, and and obviously Club León uh, with former Red Bulls uh, waste of money Rafa Marquez. So you know. They, there's a few guys there. There's a few guys there. So it's it's worth watching. And there's good. And I'll tell you what, there's good young South American talent that, without a doubt, they're going to be stars in the future on the on the on the European stage. So that's another reason to watch. And you're exactly right, Ivis. Uh, we have reached the end of the show. You know what that means? It's the SBI Q and A. Since this is the midweek show, as always, everyone, you can submit questions on Twitter. Use hashtag. Ask the SBI show. Do it at any time of the day, 10 in the morning, 3 o'clock at night. Ivis and I will always check Twitter before we record, so send them in anytime you want. Uh, first question, Ivis, comes from Dave Brett. Regarding Major League Soccer expansion, isn't San Antonio better than Minnesota Atlanta because San Antonio is a big city without football and baseball? Uh, you know, I I don't think it comes down to that stuff. I think it comes down to the strength of the ownership group. You know, uh, 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 more so than I mean, and big city. I mean, is Minneapolis, St. Paul, not a big city? Is Atlanta not a big city? I mean, come on, what does that even mean, uh, Dave? Uh, uh, no, I think San Antonio does have 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 strong qualities as as a potential expansion destination, uh, but I don't know if necessarily the lack of football, baseball, is something that works in its favor. I mean, when you think about Atlanta, Arthur Blank is is a is a well respected sports owner. Uh, you know, Atlanta is a great market. So I, I still think for me, Atlanta is, is more than likely going to get a team. Uh, then it comes down to who gets that next team. I think San Antonio and Minneapolis, it's it's a toss-up for me. I mean, I think San Antonio, give them a slight edge, but, you know, they, they actually did get a, a small soccer stadium built there. So, you know, it's a toss-up for me. I really can't choose. Uh, I think... I think if you want to put something in San Antonio's favor, the, mm-hmm. I think it's the fact that it has it will have the natural rivalry with Houston and FC Dallas all in that little triangle, the Texas Triangle. So I think that definitely works in its favor. But then again, it comes down to ownership groups. Who's who has the stronger ownership group uh, between Minnesota and, and San Antonio? So and I think I think at this point it remains to be seen. Uh, next question comes from Frank Cabina. What's to stop a team from offering 10 uninflated footballs for Matias Laba since TFC has no leverage? Uh, there's this thing called the rest of the world <laughs> where you can loan Laba to uh, and work out loan agreements and get some kind of money out of it. So, I mean, if you're Toronto FC, uh, you know, you can sell Laba, you can loan Laba. Um, and actually, I think if they loan him, uh, the money they get out of the loan deal can actually help increase their cap. I think they can that gets converted in allocation money. Uh, so it, that's why I actually have been saying for a while now that I don't see Laba staying in MLS just because uh, you know I just don't see a team being willing to as much. Hey, look, he's a good player, no doubt. I'm not saying he's not. I think he's a good player, and I think there's some teams he could absolutely help. I mean, I think FC Dallas comes to mind as a team that I think would be a great fit for him. Uh, New England would be an absolutely great fit. I think they need someone just like him uh, in the defensive midfield role. But let's face it, we're talking about a DP, uh, you know, makes pretty good money. New England isn't exactly known as a team that likes to splash the cash. So that's not, I don't, I, I'm not saying that will happen. I don't think that's going to happen. But I, when you, when you want to just talk about places he could fit, there are certainly places in, in MLS where he could fit. I just don't see it happening. Uh, next question, Ivis, comes from RC. Pick the worst team in Major League Soccer for the upcoming season. How about worse besides Chivas USA? I'd say what Chivas USA. They've made some pretty decent moves. I, I think I think they're going to be much better than they they were last year. Obviously, you know they, they can't get much worse. Uh, but it's tough, you know. You hear uh, w- one of the interesting things I find every mm-hmm. off season, every MLS off season, and pre- slash preseason 
is all the positive coverage, all the positive hype. Because let's face it, like teams don't don't you know, you get a lot of teams that don't get much coverage. So the coverage you have to that you kind of get is 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 either the league website or you know or this show one, or or there's <laughs> this show. No, I'm talking about in I'm talking about t- people that cover teams as beats in like individual in-depth beat coverage right you usually get maybe mls the mls website or you maybe have one writer in the market right so it's so what ends up invariably happening is you get a, a lot of positive stuff you get a lot of oh this guy's prime for a career year the you know the these signings look like they're going to be amazing you know, you know this coach, this new coach has got all these grand plans and visions and blah blah blah. And so every offseason, without fail, you get eight. You get let's say there's 19 teams. You get 19 uh, streams of positive fluff about how great these years are going to be. So it gets a little tough to really get a sense of which teams are going to struggle, unless you if if you follow the if you follow it closely though, you can kind of see through the cracks. You kind of say, okay, this team. Hasn't really made a ton of changes. This team hasn't kept up with the Joneses on the on the uh, on the you know transaction front, or haven't done enough to improve their team, or their team's worse now. So I don't know. When I think about who could have the worst team, uh, the Columbus Crew, uh, you know, and the thing is, right, they have some piece, interesting pieces. I don't think they're going to necessarily be like a shambolic DC United 2013 type team, but I just feel like. When I compare them to the rest of the teams in the East, I just feel like the other teams got a lot better, and I just don't feel like they did enough to get better. You know, obviously Greg Berhalter came in; he 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 had to shake up his shake up his roster. He had to trade Chad Marshall. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about them. I, I think they're a team that could definitely be be in for a be in for a fall. I think they could be in for a bad season. Uh, I think when you think about them, when you look at teams like Toronto and DC, right? Toronto, DC, Philadelphia. Three other teams that missed the playoffs, all three of them had huge off-seasons revamping their rosters. I just think the crew just didn't keep up. And I think for that reason, I think they're going to have – I think they could be in for a rough year. Uh, Ivis, the next question comes from Nicholas Paul Dunbar. Has any Major League Soccer club ever had an off-season like Toronto FC? Is the Tim Lewecki magic going to wake a sleeping giant? I can't I can't recall. I can't recall an off-season quite like this that, that a team added – as me, like the the huge pieces and then the overall number of pieces that they did. I mean, I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody, but you know, when you just think about it, get landing a Bradley and Defoe, and then also you know the the forward, the Brazilian forward. Then you you had the the, the smaller pieces like Justin Morrow and Jackson. Uh, now Julio Cesar. I mean, wow. I mean, they, you know what? They're good for me. I think Toronto FC is a playoff team. I don't. I think I don't think they're ready to contend for a title. I think that's. Probably a stretch at this point, you know. I think I think they, there's still some question marks about the defense, uh, but they're gonna. I think they can make that jump and and finally, finally, uh, bring playoff soccer to Toronto. Uh, Ivis, next question comes from Ray. Can you do another segment of Rip Me on Twitter at AZ Kicks It? A new one when he mentions a player like Beasler last time. Cool story, Ray. Ah, come on. I don't think I ripped Garrett. I think we just. You know, we had a disagreement on that. I mean, and I saw his point. Like, if, if, if we're talking about quality, I mean, I think Matt Beezer, when he's on his game, is one of the better te- players on the national team. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. But I just think when you want to talk about Nucleus, you want to talk about the established guys, I don't think he's there yet. Maybe in another year? Absolutely. But not quite yet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> leave, leave Garrett alone, people. Yeah, Ray, you're a Jets fan, so you shouldn't be talking anyways. Uh, next question comes from the Pigeon, <laughs> Ivis. How has Shannon Williams not been called into the U.S. men's national team? Tough, fast leader, long throw, and never beat, overlap, crosses, etc.? cetera? Uh, never beaten? Shannon Williams has never been beaten. How about that? Uh, look, he's a decent player. I don't think he's that. I don't think he's that much of a lockdown right back. To be honest with you, I think he's okay. Uh, he's. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think there are other guys that I personally uh, like better. I mean, I think Kofi Sarkodie, someone that comes to mind. Uh, obviously, Chance Myers is someone that Jurgen Klinsmann decided to bring in. So you know, I think there are just some other guys who are ahead of Shannon Williams. Now, if he puts together another another good year, uh, then I think he is going to be forcing his way into the conversation. But I just think there are other. There are just other right-back options out there. DeAndre Yedlin. I mean, there's just other guys there. 
Uh, well, yeah, well, Yedlin has the tools. He just needs to learn how to play defense. Uh, next question, Ivis, comes from Raul. What formation and players would you start in the U.S. men's national team game versus Ghana? Uh, well, all right. If you're asking me who I would start, I'd say I'll put it this way. Who I think Klinsman will start, right? I think formation-wise, I think you go four-two-three-one. Uh, I think you want to have the, the 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 numbers in the midfield. Uh, you're talking about a Ghana team that has some serious speed, uh, some serious dynamism in their midfield. So I think you want to match that. Um, you know, you, you're going to want to uh, try to put some guys on the field that can kind of match the energy uh, and, and put in the defensive work that you need. So. Uh, I think out to, you go out to door up top in a four two three one, and in the midfield uh, you can have uh, Graham Zusi, Clint Dempsey, Landon Donovan. Although Alejandro Bedoya absolutely could take that spot. I think if you ask, uh, Zusi could face a real challenge from Bedoya, and I think you could see Bedoya, Donovan, Dempsey as your trio. But I think it's going to be among those four guys to fill those three slots in the four two three one. Obviously, behind them you have Jermaine Jones, Michael Bradley, and then the back four for me. You go Fabian Johnson on the left, Beasley Gonzalez in the middle, Jeff Cameron on the right, Tim Howard in goal. I, I think that's going to be the lineup. Obviously, Aaron Johansson is going to be a player. Where people will say, "Wait, what about Aaron Johansson?" Uh, I just, I just don't know if defensively he gives you what you need against a team like Ghana. And I think he's also a great weapon to bring off the bench in that first game. That this isn't to say he won't have a chance to start in other games in the group stage, but I just think this first game, this Ghana game, I think he's someone who's better suited to be an option off the bench. Uh, next question comes from Rod. Do you plan to have any meetups in Brazil? <laughs> well, that'd be nice, you know, if we could pull it off. But let, let, we have, there's so many logistical issues to worry about just getting around to places. Uh, I think it'd probably be a little ambitious to, to have meetups. But I will say this. With the advent of Twitter and, and Instagram and, and all the social networking, it, it probably is easier than it's ever been to organize meetups. So you know what? I, I will try that. Absolutely. I mean, we're going to be based in Sao Paulo for quite a bit. I don't know if U.S. fans are going to spend much time there. But, uh, you know, when we get to Natal, Manaus and Recife, I mean, those – you know, we'll try to work it out, but there's still so much up in the air. I mean, I got it. I mean, I'll be honest. I don't even have a hotel yet in Manaus or or Recife. I mean, I'll be sleep. I might be sleeping on the beach in Manaus. I might be. I mean, not uh, Manaus. Or you, might, or you be, might be in a no, house at Manaus. No, no. Oh, no, you no. okay. Okay, let me finish. <laughs> uh, there's no beach in Manaus. I, I meant the Recife. Recife's got the beach. Manaus has the jungle. Uh, I might have to just pack a sleeping bag or something. I don't know. But, yeah, no. Be, you know what? I, I, I would like to do that. I mean, I've been, this will be my fourth World Cup. I've never had a chance to really have a meet-up with readers. Uh, hopefully we can do it this time. Uh, Ivis, next question comes from Ryan King. How much of an advantage is it that Sporting Kansas City had five players in the U.S. January camp? I, I don't think it can hurt. I mean, I think having had the chance to train for them to train at a, on a high level at a high level for for that many weeks uh, should come in handy. Uh, the all, you know the players that stuck it out through the very end uh, ended up having a week off before returning to spring to preseason training with Sporting KC. How much does it help them? I tell you what, I think it'll definitely help them when you think about the the Concacaf Champions League and them going into that quarterfinal matchup against Cruz Azul, a really tough Cruz Azul team. So, you know, I think that'll help from that standpoint. But in terms of the whole year and whether what it does to their season, that one's a little tougher, I think, to, to quantify. But I think it will help them for that Champions League quarterfinal. Uh, next question comes from... It comes from Ray Pagasterio. Would a guy like Beasler be on the U.S. roster had he gone to Europe? Is Klinsman's Euro fixation always best option? <laughs> well, I don't think it's a fixation. I think it's a... Rea- Look, the reality of the situation is European soccer, the higher levels, the bigger leagues in Europe, that's the best soccer in the world. And and you want to kind of aim for that. Have, there, there's no problem with that. Having said that, there is value. There is absolutely value in players uh, starting out their careers in MLS and 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 establishing themselves, develop, developing their games in MLS. Matt Beasler has done that over over the course now of of what is this four years now, five years now. So he is he is thanks to MLS, he has become the player that he is now. But at a certain point, you know, at a certain point, it's kind of like you, you're you're at you get to a ceiling, 
and you want to try to challenge yourself. I agree with Klinsman on that. Like, let, don't, don't, let, let, let's not get, let anybody get it twisted that I disagree with or anything. I absolutely agree with that. And I think, be, for me, Beasler is a player who, you know, I think he would be better suited to, at now at this point in his career, to go to Europe, test himself on that higher level, push his game that much uh, further up. And again, I mean, we're talking about a, a player in Beasler. He's playing for his hometown team. He's he's never really talked about going anywhere. So who knows what the motivation is there. But again, this is where uh, Klinsman, Klinsman's comments about the Champions League, you know, I get like are positive. Like you should make that your goal. You should make that your target. I agree with that part. Absolutely. So we'll see. We'll see what happens because I think, you know what, there there's – Let's not pretend that Europe can't help players. You're playing in Europe, uh, testing yourself, having to fight for, for for playing time every single week helps you. It helps you get better. Absolutely. Uh, I guess next question comes from Nihal. Will there ever be an SBI YouTube channel? Uh, probably not. We don't really do video content anymore. We we used to have a video guy, and he's moved on to bigger and better things now. That would be Mike Nastry, our our former great video guy who is now, uh, I believe, at CBS Sports. He's another member of the – another another graduate of, of the SBI Academy. Uh, but you know what? Maybe one day. Now that we have another TV star in the making and Garrett Cleverly this on with true. us, maybe, maybe, we'll, uh, maybe we'll turn the SBI show into a TV show. So this we'll is see. true, man. My, my TV appearances, Ivis, are, are going pretty well, man. We should get the uh, YouTube channel going. I need yeah, to be seen. <laughs> we'll figure it out. That's the next, that's that's one of the I think that's for 2015 we'll work on that. Well, I think that also probably requires me to to move back east. There you go. I don't know about that. It's sno- uh, you mean, know it's I mean, it's snowing way too, way too often here for you to come here. I know. I mean, I'm looking outside my window right now and it's like 65, beautiful sunset. The mountains look magnificent. I mean, it's gorgeous out right now. I mean, I might wear shorts tomorrow. I don't know. Thanks for alienating ninety percent of our listeners right now. They care. all, they all, they all hate you. Well, they hate me anyway, so they'll just double yeah, hate fair, me. Fair, they'll doubly fair. hate me, which turns into a positive. There you go, math one hundred and one, right there. Fair point. Yes, uh, Ivis. That wraps up the SBI Q and A. We have no more noteworthy. Well, actually, we have. Well, look. Thank you everyone for sending questions in. But that wraps up the SBI Q and A. That also wraps up the show. Uh, I think we covered everything on today's show. Your your, your closing comments, Ivis, before we uh, we wrap everything up. I think that's. I think we covered a lot of bases. You know, obviously the Klinsman comments. Again, folks. Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it's funny how seeing some of the responses to, to to the comments and to and the responses to my reaction to the comments. Uh, you know, Klinsman's done a great job as manager and, and as head coach and, and has motivated the players. And 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 this in its own way is going to be its own kind of psychological push. Uh, for players to 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 raise their goals, I and I agree with that. I think that that you need that, you want that. Um, but you know, I, for me, I, I just think when I look at this play, current current crop of players, mm-hmm. I, I think it's a group that believes in itself. I think it's a group that absolutely doesn't lack belief. I think I think there's confidence there. I think there's belief there. It's a good group. It's a confident group. I mean, there's a reason they've gotten the results that they've gotten, and and I think. You know what? This next couple of years, this next not just the World Cup, but this next couple of years is is going to show us quite a bit about about what kind of long standing and lasting impact Jurgen Klinsmann's having. Because you know, uh, putting this group together for this World Cup is one thing, but establishing something long term that's really showing a sign of of clear growth, of clear taking a step up to another level. I don't think we've seen that yet, but I think the next couple of years are going to definitely show, give us a chance to see that. Yeah, it's going to be exciting, man, to see uh, to see everything that happens. Well, uh, well, Ivis, that uh, that wraps everything up, uh, man. Uh, and as always, everyone, thank you for the comments and, uh, and and new reviews on iTunes, Ivis, and I appreciate it. Absolutely, and I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I have broken in a new microphone. Uh, I went out and bought a Blue Yeti uh, podcasting microphone. Uh, upon the uh, recommendation of Alexi Lalas, well, not the mic itself, but uh, Alexi made some comments uh, recently about about the microphone and the microphone I was using. It didn't sound great, so hopefully this sounds better. Hopefully we take we step it up another notch, and uh, hopefully you guys enjoy it. Yeah, what what is like Alexi like the the podcast king? Come on, Ivis. We don't we don't need him telling us what we can and can't do on the show. <laughs> well, he's your father. We, we got to listen. Exactly. To him. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm required, and he abandoned me as a child, so I'm required to hate him. 
daddy issues. No, uh, no, nah, nah, but you know what? Nah, hey, I'm always, we're, hey, we're always looking to improve. And uh, I like this mic is is pretty sweet. It's pretty snazzy. So what's you know what? what's the we'll name see. of it? It definitely sounds like it could be it's, like a, a part of like some adult boutique or something it's, like that. It's a blue Yeti, <laughs> the Yeti, the, the, the snowy monster, which is which is kind of apropos given all the damn snow here we keep getting in Jersey. But uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, hopefully it sounds better. I get. When I listen to the show in a few hours, we'll, you know, I'll get my first chance to, to see if there's actually a difference and if it was worth spending the money. The, the name just sounds like it belongs at like Fascinations or something. Uh, you know more than me about that. So. I, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. I'm just saying that the name. Yeah, yeah. I like the story. Yeah, details. Uh, Ivis, man. Okay, <laughs> that wraps everything up. Uh, you have a good night. I'm off to go watch LeBron James play. Boom. Uh, I'll talk to you later sweet man. All right, man. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you for the reviews on iTunes and the comments on the website. This is the SBS Show.